You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples through life groups. Here are your hosts, Jay Fennell and Paul Wilkinson. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to uh, our weekly Life Group Leaders Podcast here at Brentwood Baptist Church. I'm Jay Fennell. I'm here with Paul Wilkinson. Hey, group leaders. And we're excited about another week of coming to you through the podcast and uh, equipping and encouraging you and just talking about the lesson this particular week. We're going to be talking about God and how he reveals himself to his creation. But before we jump into the lesson time, I want to remind you of a few things uh, that I reminded you, we reminded you last week, but want to remind you once again this week as it pertains to life groups at the, on the Brentwood campus. First thing I want to remind you of is the leader roundtables that we'll have on Wednesday evenings. We had one last week. It went great. We enjoyed our time together with those that came. And so we'll have another one this week uh, on Wednesday night, the 25th of January. And it'll be a time for us to, um, to talk about the upcoming lesson. And it's just a good time of conversation and prayer and encouragement. And we want you to be a part of that. So that's Wednesday night in Wilson Hall B, beginning around 6 o'clock. And we'll probably shoot to be out by 7 or so. So it'd be worth your time to come and be a part of that. Also, too, want to remind you about Group Connect Sunday, January the 29th. You've by now received some information about Group Connect, and that's uh, it's actually this uh, Sunday. And we're really hopeful that it'll be a great time to connect people who are not already involved in the life group. So our off-campus groups will have some featured groups along the, the concourse area by the library. Uh, that we uh, want people to know about and sign up and get plugged into. And then with our on-campus Sunday morning groups, it'll be more of an open house type model. And so really on that day, we want you to really ramp hospitality. We want you to have food and refreshments. We want you to, prior to, be reaching out. So take some days to reach out to some people that are kind of fringe, that you haven't seen in a while. Reach out to them. Invite them to come back. Invite some guests, invite some neighbors, and spend some time, the first half of your life group time on Sunday morning to have some fellowship time, connecting with people, wear your name tags, have someone at the door greeting everyone that comes in. Just some some basic, fundamental things that we can do to really create a welcoming environment in every life group that morning on January the 29th, expecting guests to come. I think that's the key, is, is expecting new people to come and praying that God would send some people. So you do the hard work of inviting, and God will be faithful. Uh, so we're excited about that day, and um, and really hope that you take it seriously and, and really look to, to really ramp up uh, your your meeting time that day. Also, one another announcement is spring meetings will be coming up. It's our annual meeting that we meet with you to kind of talk about your group, and we want to do that. So we'll be reaching out to you for a lunch or a meet for coffee, to talk about uh, what God's doing in your group, ways we can pray for you, uh, talk about um, what the next steps look like in your group in 2017. And then in addition to that, you know, we've started this new Foundations curriculum. And if you are in need of new books or additional books for your group, those can be uh, 
retrieved at, in the atrium on Sunday mornings in the Discipleship Center area. And you can come by the Discipleship Center, get as many books as you need for your people. If you're an on-campus, off-campus group, that'd be, that'd be the place to go. If you're an on-campus group, um, you can swing by there. And, you know, if you need five or six more, we, we'll get those to you. Uh, so, uh, anyway, those are kind of our announcements. Anything else, Paul, that we need to mention? No, that's it. That's Ready it. to talk about Revelation. All right, well, let's do that. Let's jump straight into our discussion this week on Lesson number two in Transforming Truths, which is our foundation's curriculum that we're going through now. And this particular lesson, chapter two, is on how God reveals himself to his creation. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever thought about that, but it is a marvelous reality to know that the, the God of the universe, creator God, has chosen to reveal himself to his creatures. And that's a marvelous reality that, to really think about. Our focal passage this week is uh, comes from Psalm 19, 1 through uh, 14. And I'm going to read just the first four verses, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about general revelation and special revelation and the important aspects of each. And uh, so let's read. I'll read it first, and then uh, we'll jump into some conversation and some questions, and we'll talk a little bit about maybe some some ideas and uh, to teach your life group uh, this particular week. All right, Psalm 19, I'm going to read chap- uh, verses 1 through 4. It says, uh, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Paul, anything uh, as it relates to those scriptures that really jump out to you in terms of as we begin this conversation about how God reveals himself? Two big things. Uh, One in that one of the most essential features of God, that he just is a creator and created a universe, the very aspect of creating a universe is a way that God makes himself known to us. So from the very beginning, in the first moments of what we understand as the physical reality, God was wanting to be known by his people. And we just see that principle continue to be ramped up more and more and more as we approach Messiah and even now through the church age, uh, awaiting the second coming. And then verse 4, where we read that the message has gone out to all the earth, that God is not hiding himself, as as some would think, that in the very core of our reality, um, everyone has access to knowing God, at least in this minimal sort of way. Even the beginning, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, the scriptures say, in the beginning, God, and so... You know, even from the beginning, God has, his existence was never in question. Uh, he's always existed. And two presuppositions that we can take from that, even from that verse are God exists and he has spoken. And he desires to be known by his people uh, through general and special revelation. So let's let's start there, Paul. Um, 
talk to us a little bit about general revelation and its importance to us and how we know God, the aspects of general revelation that help us to know God. General revelation just is the way God's known through the his creation, through the universe. Romans 1 and Romans 2 hit this, I think, in the two major dynamics. Romans 1 talks about through God's creation, we see God's divine nature and eternal power. Yeah, in fact, why don't, how about I read that verse? Sure, go for That's it. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, so Paul was just mentioning Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, Paul writes, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Yeah, that's right. So just in the mere creation, the stuff, the rocks, the stars, the planets, the sun, the moon, the seasons, the oceans, we ought to know that our God is, and we ought to know his eternal um, attributes and his his clearer power in bringing this world into existence. And then Roman 2 hits the other dynamic, and that's to say that there's a moral law hardwired into each of us. Um, those without the law who did the law became a law unto themselves. So we see God in the physical stuff of the universe and in the moral conscience of the universe. So what you're saying is that there's some inner sense that all people have. Sometimes they suppress that, they deny that, but there's this inner sense of God in every man uh, that is hardwired in every person. Exactly. And this is why we see the pervasiveness of religion throughout all of cultural history. Uh, the intuition that there's something greater, something beyond, something transcendent that we desire to know. And unfortunately, in so many cultures and religions and philosophies, that supreme being remains unknowable. And Christianity says, no, that, that being has made himself fully and intimately knowable. That's right. He's chosen to reveal himself. He's a knowable God, and he's a personal God, which is very unlike many other other religions in the world. Uh, that's big-time distinctive of, of Christianity. All right, so there's general revelation. There's also special revelation. Talk to us a little bit about special revelation, Paul, and the importance that that gives us to helping us understand this God that we worship, this God that created us. Right, so on general revelation, even what Paul references there about the eternal aspect of God and the powerful, the omnipotence of God um, it is a very limited understanding of who our God is. So what our God chose to do was to relate to a particular people, called out the Israelites and developed a history with those people of interactions with those people, and then inspired men moved by the spirit to put down that word of that history of God's movements. We get prophets and apostles and all sorts of things, kings and so forth. And we come out with this book, um, this collection of individual writings that are all about the same God in his relation to his creation. So the first aspect of special revelation just is that word, that history, and that understanding of God to his people. Okay, so we have two two big buckets here. We've talked about general revelation, God's creation, and how he... There's order to the universe, and we see that, and we, we can know uh, particular attributes of God, of this creator, of this intelligent designer in the universe based on what we see around us in creation. We also have this special revelation that God has revealed himself spe- especially to, to his people beyond what general revelation would, would communicate to us. But... Are there limits? I mean, what what are the limits of general revelation? I mean, uh, 
would you say that there are limits? Certainly. Uh, that we don't understand, uh, for instance, trini- Trinity. You really don't get the Trinity out of nature. Incarnation, you really don't get out of nature. I think God's goodness largely can, but you just you can't get to the full understanding of who the Christian God is just by looking at the stuff of the universe. It takes something a little bit more, and that's why we get the relationship with his people. So, therefore, specific, um, I'm sorry, special revelation is therefore necessary, right? It, it, is, it is to know God more fully. And then, um, of course, the other dynamic of special revelation would be Jesus Christ, in whom the fullness of deity comes to dwell. So as we move from nature to the word and then to the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, we come to know God in fuller and deeper ways. Um, Even within the revealed word, uh, you think with respect to the Old Testament law, you really don't understand God as actively redeeming his people. It comes across more as God setting a standard for his nature and his character that requires faith in response to it. Mm -hmm. But then the incarnation ramps it up to a whole nother level where the second person of the Trinity becomes flesh to actually come after his people and redeem them himself, which was the promise alluded to repeatedly in the Hebrew Bible and in our Old Testament, as we call it. So as we think about this this lesson and teaching um, this truth, this transforming truth to our people this week in life groups, what do you think are the some of the important points, important aspects to really illustrate? And then how, how would you yourself teach this, teach this lesson? Yeah, I mean, the, the big one, the initial one is the knowability of God. And then I think as a function of that or a corollary to that is the availability of God, like I referenced in our Psalm passage, verse 4, made known to the entire world. I think if you can get those two big takeaways uh, to our people, then it'd be it'd be doing a great job. Um, and then in light of that, the fact that God is knowable, he wants to be known, mm-hmm. that he's actively seeking out his people, which is why he made it available to everyone. So we ought as Christians to have a high, high view of nature, even more so than other faiths and even secularists. Uh, we ought to have a high view of the moral, ethical law that's hardwired into people. And when we see it, we ought to praise it and point to God for it and give God the glory for it. And then, of course, we revere our word. We revere the Bible. And then, ultimately, we lift up Christ um, in, in the work he has done. And I also don't want to, I don't want to downplay the role of the Holy Spirit in, in all of this. Um, the, re- the reason I tended away from it within special revelation is because we would say that Christ and the scripture are binding objectively and universally, mm-hmm. whereas the Holy Spirit is another way to know God, certainly, but is more on a subjective level as he indwells each one of us and compels us to truth, convicts us of truth, teaches us all things concerning Christ, and, and on and on we go. If you, can, if you can get those points across, that God's knowable, made it available to universally to everyone, implying and demonstrating that he wants to be known by us, and then that ought to compel us to a reverence of nature, morality, the word, then I think we'll be doing well for our people. Yeah. And it's also, for me, it's just a reminder of God's love for me. You know, how important is it for us to know who we are? And that question, we can't answer that question unless we truly know who God is. And thankfully, we serve a God, we worship a God who has made himself known to us. He wants us to know him. He wants his creation to know who he is. And um, 
And that's such a powerful truth for us to, to recognize and to, and to hold on to. That's right. And on page three of our teaching plan, which you can find at journeyonleadership.com or adults.journeyonleadership.com under the foundations tab, um, there's a, a great illustration given about these different degrees and limits of how we come to know God through revelation. And the question the writer of the teaching plan asks is, can you know more about someone and know someone intimately through a blog or more so through a personal journal that they record their daily thoughts about their life experiences and so forth? And so clearly we know more about the person from a journal. Um, if your life group isn't blog savvy, then maybe we can talk about biographies versus autobiographies. In which way will we come to know someone more intimately, uh, presumably through their autobiography? And then we can take it to another level and say, well, what if you were able on either illustration, whether blog, journal, or biography, autobiography, what if you were then able to sit and interview the person? And that interview went on forever uh, in a personal way where the presence was always around you and available to you. Well, then you would get to know an awful lot about that person. And those are the different um, aspects of revelation that we have available to us in general and special through the word. And then, of course, through Christ and the power of the spirit. You know, we're, our prayer for you this week is that you will, um, you know, feel confident in your teaching and that this truth comes alive uh, in your own heart first. Uh, we know that uh, we we teach and we disciple people out of the overflow uh, of the Spirit's power in our own lives. So that requires us as leaders, as disciple makers, to really be filled up in our time with the Lord, so that we can then pour out into others. So allow the truths of, of this particular lesson to truly marinate in your own heart first. Uh, be in all of it first. Uh, don't just you know walk in to, ready to, to deliver a bunch of propositional truth. The, the, the best teaching that I've ever heard in my life is truth taught, backed up by a heart that has truly... Uh, you know, processed it also, and it's done. It's done its work, and it's transformed that person who's teaching. So I would just that would be my encouragement to to all of you this week is just to to do that. And one thing that I did want to mention that we didn't really mention last week is, you know, this curriculum is curriculum, and uh, and we we think that it's it's helpful and it's to be used as a tool for disciple making, but but our goal. Our outcomes that we want to see is that we want to teach God's people God's word. You know, that the Bible, his word is the curriculum that we use. This curriculum, Transforming Truths, is to be a supplement to that, of course. So I uh, just want to remind you of that. Um, so, you know, don't necessarily be bound just to the curriculum and some of the truths that were put in there, even though I think it's written well and it's, it's well organized. You know, you do the hard work yourself of truly being in the Word and reading it over the course of the week and letting God do His work in your own heart as it relates to these truths so that when you go into your group time on Sunday morning or whenever you meet, it it's basically just an overflow of what God has been teaching you through the week. Those, those are oftentimes the best teaching times. So, Paul, any, uh, any last words? I'll just reiterate the truth that we teach people, not lessons. 
use the curriculum as a launching pad to direct the content as the Holy Spirit compels you to your people. You know them. You're their first spiritual guide contact, and you know what they need and where the Spirit's taking you to lead them. So use this biblical curriculum uh, that focuses on the text as a launching pad to take your people to their calling, to what God would have for them. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening this week to our, to our podcast, and uh, we're praying for you. We're grateful for you once again, and we're always here to meet any needs you have, so let us know how you can do that. Thanks again. Hope to see you.